Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 121 and this episode is with Jack Dowling, the Lead Academy S&C coach at Everton Football Club. So this episode follows on really nicely from episode way back on episode 16 when John Noonan was on the podcast because we speak about we speak about Jack's uh, background and career and what led him up to his current role at the moment. But we also um, go into detail on the movement matrix and the movement matrix is a system that um, both Jack and John Noonan have both used at Everton. So if you haven't listened to episode 16, go back and listen to that one, then listen to this one because um, they do link in quite well. We talk about how Jack utilizes the, the movement matrix, what happens when players get towards the end um, I've been in the academy and stepping up to under 23s and first team in terms of their training and the movement matrix. And then we talk about uh, Jack's approach to strength development throughout the phases of the academy as well. Um, and then also Jack answers some quick fire questions at the end of the podcast too. So big thanks to Jack for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate him coming on. Um, I think we covered a lot in this podcast and it's a a definite listen for anyone in academy football there's some great work going on at Everton which we covered with John but also it's carried over into when John has moved on and and Jack's now um, working at the club he also gives some great insights into his internship at the club and how to make the most out of internships as well so anyone that's currently either looking for an internship or, or currently on an internship right now and pay attention, pay attention to some of the stuff that, that Jack's got to say. Just before we get into the episode, I just wanted to give a little heads up. We've got an upcoming free webinar, another webinar in association with Physique. And this webinar is with sports science consultant and someone who's been on the podcast before, Chris Barnes. So Chris is a practitioner with loads of experience and he's doing really, some really interesting work in the industry at the moment. But we're going to be running the webinar on the 26th of January and it's at 6, 6 o'clock um, in the evening, so 6pm. And the, the webinar is basically going to be on sports science, the past, present and future we're going to tackle topics like support for clubs to introduce strategies for physical performance, support for coach education in physical performance, and also international opportunities for coaches. And we're also going to have an opportunity um, to ask Chris questions live on the podcast as well. So if you want to come on to it, it is a free webinar. It's also going to be available on our community after um, we finish recording the webinar as well. But just head over to Physique Management uh, Twitter page or their Instagram and you can click the link um, that they've posted and register and sign up for the webinar. And it'd be great to see as many of you guys on there as possible. So a quick heads up on on that webinar upcoming and I hope you enjoy this episode with Jack Dowling. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 121. I'm delighted to be joined today by the academy, lead academy, SNC coach at Everton Football Club, Jack Dowling. How are you doing, Jack? Hi, Ben. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on. No problem at all, mate. It's great to have you on. I've seen you putting some uh, top content out, so I wanted to reach out and get you on the podcast and see... Uh, What's going on and talk about your journey as well so far. So I'm I'm really interested into into diving in some of the topics we've got lined up and ready. 
Oh, no, it's, it's good. Uh, appreciate you asking me, to be fair. Um, it's an honour to be on it, being asked to be on the podcast. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Awesome, mate. Well, like I said then, it's interesting to hear your journey. I like to ask practitioners where they've been and what's sort of taken them up to the, the current role. So do you want to take us back and just take us through your journey so far up until your role at Everton? Yeah, of course. Um, so at first, I wasn't sure whether to go to university. Um, I was probably a bit stuck. Oh, do I go to university? Do I not? Um, and then it was that year where the, obviously the fees changed. So it was, if I don't go now, I'm not going to go. Found a degree in actually doing football. Um, I really wanted to be a football coach. Um, growing up, 16, 17, wanted to go in coaching, but then realised I'm probably not going to get a career in coaching because I was never an ex-professional player or that standard. So looking at the sports science really interested me. Um, and doing the science and football degree at Liverpool John Moores, uh, the undergraduate. During the second year, they offer out an internship at Everton Football Club. It's the strong links we've got with John Moores. So I applied for that and you go through the full CV interview process. And there was nine of us who gained um, a first-year internship, which is a, it was an unbelievable experience. There's it, a lot of responsibilities on there. It's not just your typical ball bibs and cones. There is part of that, but and you are making you are a bit of the uh, making the coffees in the morning, but that's part of it. Um, and then towards the end of that season, there's opportunity for you to carry on as a second year internship. This is only one, maybe two of the inter- first years can carry on. You've still got to be a student at the John Moores University though. So I was in my final year. I then applied for to do uh, MPhil in research, in research and sports science um, to apply just to stay on uh, at John Moores. I, I probably shouldn't say this, but it was the only reason I did the MPhil, I probably didn't really want to do it, but it was my only way to stay in football and stay at Everton. Um, and I was lucky enough to gain the second year internship, which was more of a supervisory role, management role the first years. And also I had a, a responsibility of the under-16s at the academy as well, which was a great experience for me. Um, I wasn't just in the internship, I wasn't just doing strength and conditioning. I was doing performance analysis as well. And I was working through the club as, um, as one. Then through the second year, my line manager, current manager now, John McEwen, was pushing me, getting my CV ready to apply for jobs. It's a well-known internship across the club. So when you're applying to jobs, it's quite, it stands, stands you in good stead. Um, I was applying left, right and centre, analysis jobs, sports science jobs, S&C jobs. I, I just wanted to work in football, no matter what role. I was interested in everything. Um, and it was one day where I, pl- I had applied for an analysis job. Um, I had an interview and I think my boss had a good idea. I was going to get it. Um, he, won't tell me, he won't say this, like, he, he won't <laughs> tell me this, but um, he just pulled me in the office one day and get, uh, um, offered me a role as a sports scientist in the academy. So it was, I was amazed. I was uh, really pleased with that. And then from then, I've been with the under 18s, leading with the under 18s. Uh, as the academy sports science and then just grown gave me UKSCA changed my role to a strength and conditioning coach um, and now leading 
strength conditioning role. For, so that's looking at the 23s down as the strength conditioning coach there. Yeah, that, it's really interesting that because I think one thing we've not spoke about so much recently is is making the most out of internships because you joked then about a sort of bibs, bibs, balls and cones. And I think we have to go through an element of that, don't we? Like we have to do some of the, the, the graft um, that comes along with an internship. But in terms of making the most of it, like with it not being, because how many years ago was that, Jack? 20... 14, okay. 14-15 season, yeah. So still, still within short-term memory-ish. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. With that, what would you say are some key things? So I'm, I'm thinking more about people that are listening that are potentially looking for internships or even on the internships right now. I know it's a little bit different with the times, but what would, you, what would your advice be or what would you say some key things for them to consider on making the most out of that opportunity? Yeah, um, we see now because we still do the internship every year and it's it's strange for me to be in a role where I'm leading the interviews, looking at the CVs and I remember when I was in that position, sat, sat opposite the table. Um, I think the main, main thing is if you're looking for an internship or you're about to go into an internship, you're coming from university and you've got loads of knowledge and you're learning loads. But when you're going into us, you don't get taught what it's like in, to, in a football club and what the environment's like. Um, you do to a certain point if you've got good lecturers um, supervising you. But when you first start, don't go in all guns blazing and they say think you know everything because nine times out of ten you don't know people don't know everything. Um, there's a lot to learn and. To be fair, that's one thing I was pretty good at, looking at, eyeing up what, what's it like in the club. Um, keep keep your head down. Do your job sufficiently. Make sure you're doing them. Getting in early. Just basically not giving anyone an excuse to go, oh, the interns, again. Not giving an excuse for that. Uh, so just keep keep your head down. Ask questions. Ask the right questions all the time because people want to help you. And... Um, they want you to help them. That's why I ask our interns. I I learn so much of our interns, as well as the that I'm there to help them. So um, just be don't go in all guns blazing. If, if you go into an internship just because you're from university and you've got this degree, which is amazing, but people within football may not understand that. It's the old Dunning Kruger, isn't it? Like we're thinking that we're we're experts probably before that we before we are because we've just come out the back of a load of ed- education. But I think that's some some great advice. And I know as well, Jack, you're working with some some general pop um, sort of clients as well. Yeah, yeah. I've re- only recently started started that working just with in the local area a few few. Um, few local clients and also a couple of exercise classes as well which is it's just testing me uh, I want like a different challenge um, I was probably more nervous doing my first exercise class than I was with any session with that's a first team player all the way down I've never been as nervous with my first class because mm. it's a completely different environment they're all there looking at you when you know <laughs> the players are usually like that but yeah it was it, it was a, it's good and I really enjoy it. What I get from the people who are in the gym or who I'm teaching, 
they, they love it. I'm learning loads from them because just looking at a different, uh, everyone's an athlete to me, like just looking at a different athlete and different body, how different bodies move. Uh, not everyone's a footballer. And in terms of like uh, developing skills for you, you said about there being like basically out of your comfort zone. What do you think it's like developing um, working with those sorts of clients for, for yourself as like a practitioner? Yeah, I think communication skills. Um, I think sometimes when you're in football, you get used to saying all your strict strength and conditioning words that we're, that we're used to hearing. Um, but when you're going into like general population, they haven't really heard that before. And people are like, what are you talking about? So you've got to, the language you choose uh, when you're speaking to people, um, but also get trying to get your message across in the right way. And I think it's just broaden the way I work as well, uh, because everyone is different and everyone is just challenging me. Uh, apart from looking at footballers, looking at um, a middle-aged man or woman and how they move and what what requirements they need compared to a 17, 18, highly skilled athlete. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's really interesting that, isn't it? Because we, we, again, we talk a lot about soft skills and doing that sort of thing and putting yourself in that sort of position is only going to de- develop that and help it when you're speaking to a group of, play- of players or even a coach or not necessarily even a coach, so just someone at the club, like developing that communication yeah. is really important, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And even with like the younger the younger boys, obviously we want to educate them in the strength and condition, but also we don't need to throw everything at them. Like yeah. they're still kids at the end of the day. They want to enjoy the football, but we're supporting them with that. So how we deliver our message efficiently to them and effectively. So as they're going through the academy, they're, they're developing the knowledge on strength conditioning, why that important. We don't need to throw all the um, science at them early on at under 12s. Well, I think that's a key skill, isn't it? Is getting your point across and getting the sort of technical stuff behind what you're trying to say without, like you said, just using a lot of jargon that just goes completely over over the heads, isn't it? That's I think that's a really key skill to have. Yeah, 100%. And uh, probably recently as well, we've only realised how much some, some of the players they may not understand it uh, because we're doing these online sessions in the current circumstances um, I'm getting them to coach a lot and ask them questions because it is quite a good environment they're all on their own they're not they're not messing about with each other um, we can unmute them to ask them a question we can mute them if we need to. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, we can mute them if we need to. But then we're asking the question, getting to feedback to us what we know. And it was surprising. Sometimes we are guilty of telling them, right, no, you must do this because this is right. But then they just go, yeah, yeah, obviously, you know, that's what we're going to do. But then do they actually know what, why that is important? Why is that important in their development? Why is that important for their sport? Um, so I think over the past year that's grown as well and getting them to ask questions we're getting it a lot more so what's this exercise for how mm. does this help us which is great for us yeah brilliant so we were going to focus on I was actually looking back because we're going to reference John Noonan's work um, or some of John Noonan's work and 
I can't believe how long ago it was that we actually had him on the podcast. It was way back on episode 16. So for anyone that's not listened to that one, go back and listen to it because we're going to reference the movement matrix that John talked about in that podcast. Um, and I know it's something that's still that you guys still use at the club and we're going to dive into it now. So do you want to just, for anyone that's not listened to that episode, Jack, do you want to just give us a bit of a rundown on what the movement matrix is to start with? Yeah, um, so I probably won't go into much detail as John is or give us a bright answer. Uh, as John Newton is, he's an expert in the field. Um, but a movement matrix is a movement competency um, program. That's how we use it. So we've got the skills, which are the exercises, and this may be a push, a pull, a hinge, a squat variation, core work, uh, upper limb, how we can how we can vary that. So we've got the skills and then they've got a movement competency level. Um, and the players all start on level one. And once they've, once they've succeeded and they're competent at that level, level, say we're looking at a bodyweight squat and they're competent at that, then they'll move up to a plate hold squat, for example. And then once they're competent at that, they'll move on. But it's only when the players earn the right to move on, that's when they move. And that's all the way through the academy. Brilliant. And then with that, when you say about them hitting the sort of level and what you're after, have you just got certain pointers that you're looking at to, to allow them to progress? Yeah. So previously we've probably, we have used more of a coach's eye. Um, I know when John was working with John, we used like, right, we've got to come see myself or John in the session and watch them do the exercises. It was right. You've got to do 10 reps of good quality and I will take them off and write you move on. Now we've moved on to the Yeses approach, Dr. Yeses approach, which I'm sure you've heard of, uh, the one, 120 um, approach. So once they've mastered 20 reps of that exercise and they're showing a good competency, right, uh, we've uh, increased the weight, increased the load, or the exercise will change a little bit to increase the load, and then they're going to that 1 to 20 again. Um, as the levels get harder, we don't just keep throwing weight on them. Uh, we'll and ask them to do that high volume of 20. We'll up the intensity by going and um, increasing the weight, but then dropping it to 14 reps. And then we'll drop it down to eight reps. Um, but by the time they're getting to the end anyway, which we'll probably mention a bit, is how that changes then to what, what they progress onto into their individualized strength program. And is that still run through yourself? So do, are they still coming to you or uh, is the or, or the other coaches? Like, is that how they sort of move through the level? Yeah, yeah. So it's they've got to earn the right and it can't be just like in one session, they're going from level one to level three, four and go, well, I can do 20 reps of that. I can do 20 reps of that. We've got to watch some coaches, uh, myself and the other coaches that are in the gym at the same time to have that coach's eye. Watch them. Yeah, okay done that or you know what we've got to give you a little coaching point there take that away come back next week in the next session we'll watch you again yeah you've earned the right to move on there and we'll take it off and then we're tracking it all the way through the time at the academy as well and that scale obviously players will be aware of maybe where they're at but also where teammates are at or where they're trying to get to as well psychologically how um, what's the sort of benefits? What do you see the sort of feedback from the players to work through a system like that? It's, it's brilliant because 
so we've got from under 13s everyone on their own individualized program because they're on they've all got their own individual cards and like you will see players at different times we don't want to get into too much detail with the growth and maturation and what they can do but they're seeing players who are progressing because when they're coming into the gym they're really focused and really driven and right I need to get here and get here get here and some of the players are maybe the Start to lift a little bit of load and they're looking over and the mate's like, I'm still doing a bodyweight squat, but my mate's got, mm. um, he's on a bar or he's on a, he's got a plate and I want to be doing that or I want to be lifting weights because when the kids come in, they all just want to pick up the weights and look like they're doing, um, doing the strength work with weights. Mm. Uh, so psychologically, when they see one player doing it and going, oh, I want to be doing that, but then you go show them, look, this is where you're at. This is where he's at in the levels. You've got to earn the right to progress. So then from there, we might have a chat and the next moving on, they'll switch over to that. So the other player's mentality, right, I've got to get here because I want to be doing that. And they'll see that nine times out of 10, it affects them out on the pitch as well. They'll see the they'll see the um, effects out on the pitch and how good it is for them. Yeah, because it's that crucial time, isn't it, through that those academy ages to develop these skill sets. And I know we're going to touch a little bit on like sort of movement quality and mobility as well um, in a little bit. But it's such a key time, isn't it? And if we're if we're not focusing on that quality at that age, because it'd be so easy for kids just to be let loose, wouldn't it, and start lifting weights and probably lifting badly and and not focusing so much on form and technique. It's it's an important time, isn't it, to master those skills. Yeah, exactly. And there may be times in the in the move matrix where you know what they they, they progressed progressed up the levels, but then because they're going through that growth, the the body hasn't caught up, and they just they may have to take a step back, which is fine because yeah. they understand and it's safe for them to do so as well. Uh, we're reducing the load as they go as the body's adapting to that growth. Um, and we're not going to keep smashing them with weights as they're growing because it's, it's not going to be healthy for them. So we'll reduce them back down or they may get, say they get injured, they drop out right where were they at, where is it they're coming back in, that's where they need to get back up to on the movement matrix. So it's a, it's very it's a very simple and effective way and you see the effects as they're going through the academy um, and when they come to the 18, 23, um, the movement qualities that we've got in them. Yeah, it's a, it's a great system, isn't it? And the other thing I was going to ask on it is, obviously the nature of academy football is that you'll have players coming and going, you'll have new players coming in. So is it easy to like slot a new player into the system or are they are they starting at the start and earning the right to get through the levels? Like, How does it work with someone new coming in? Yeah, of course. Um, typically, it depends on their back. We'll speak to their background. Are they coming from a full-time academy or are they coming from grassroots? Uh, I always like to start them on level one and yeah, if they are in, right, if they're from a, another academy and they've got a good gym program there, you they will earn the right pretty quickly and you'll see the good movement. Uh, we also do how we uh, track movement qualities is using a AAA um, athletic abilities uh, assessments um, and looking at certain movement qualities with that. And when we, if we've signed a play, we would have gone through that assessment with them uh, to see where they're at, what level they're at. Um, and that probably helps with that decision where they should start on the movement matrix as well. 
and then getting towards the end of that matrix. So is that something, essentially, when would that end and when would they change their training up? So is there, is there a certain age group that that's, the matrix will go to or are they carrying that on into 18s, 23s? Yeah, so you'd say the matrix card or when we're handling a matrix card probably hand, ends up towards the end of under 16. But all the movements that they do within that level will carry on. It's not like, right, you're not doing any movements anymore because yeah. typically they're all movements that they're going to carry on. It's just the way the program may change into a typical strength program and how we plan that in the scholarship because we're in full-time, we've got more access to them. Um, and also we can test them a lot more on the force, force decks, uh, normal groin bar, and how we implement our testing scores into what they need in their program. Unfortunately, we can't do that with the young lads um, right down to you. And we want them to go through that movement competency program. So they are competent movers. And then when you get to 18, right, this is where we're starting to increase the loads. And there might be a mid-16 we're doing that because they are getting yeah. to that higher level. They're very competent what we do. Okay, let's get... We use the testing scores at 15, 16. Let's see where they are. This is what we need for them. And it's all t- it's all the same movements. It's just the programming might be different. They're not doing the whole body session in one session. They're focused on lowers at one point and uppers in a, uppers in a different one. Just a very quick update on our online community. So if you're not already a community member, head over to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab and register there for a free month on our community. We've got... 18 webinars, which is soon to be added to. Um, Chris Barnes' webinar, like I mentioned at the start of the podcast, will be going on to the community. And we also have lined up some awesome webinars upcoming in the next few months from practitioners spread throughout the world, to be honest. We've got different all different leagues, different clubs, different topics. Um, so make sure you're registered on the community to get access to those webinars. And looking ahead, hopefully this year, we're going to get back onto some networking events at some point. So the presentations from those events will be uploaded onto the community too. And there's also 10 of our previous networking event presentations from practitioners like Dr. Will Abbott down at Brighton, Tom Little up at Preston, um, Paul White at Stoke City, and many others, um, all available to watch on demand on the community. And you can also get involved in some of the brilliant chats that are going on on our WhatsApp group as well. So just go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab, sign up there, and you'll get a free month on the community to see what it's all about. Here's part two of the podcast with Jack. It's a really nice system, isn't it? Because like you say, it gives a really individual approach to what they're doing but within a, within a team system, really, because they're all doing essentially the same things, but at, at different, all progressing at different levels, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, that's, the, that's the beauty of it, because you've got everyone individual programme. People are moving at different stages. And like I said before, it, it drives a bit of competitive edge as well, because who, who wants to progress the most and who's going to get to up-term levels, who's staying behind, Um so yeah, it's a, it's a great system, and especially in new football, you want you want them all to be good movers. So when we need to add load onto them, they they are competent to do that. And when they're older, they've got that history and that background of a great um, movement competency. 
And one thing I was going to ask, obviously, without sort of naming names, like when you've seen a player come through from the younger age groups with Everton and go through the sort of whole process over a number of years, compared to a player that has potentially come in at maybe 14, 15, 16, has only got a few years in your system, can you see a difference between the two, just speaking generally? Yeah, definitely. And we're probably seeing the fruits of it this season and last, where this season is probably where they were, I think, under 13s, 14s when they started on the move, 13s when they started on the move matrix in the first year. And now they're into the scholarship now. Compared to players who may join that late uh, or not, you are seeing uh, differences in the capability of movements. Uh, especially the ones that are coming in, I haven't got any history of it. So, yeah, it's you are seeing the big differences, and also differences from groups that have come through in the past that haven't been on the movement matrix, um, compared to the ones that are on now. Like we're well advancing where we should be in what what they're able to do. Sometimes you'd be waiting until they're under 23s to what what they're able to do because they haven't earned the right to do it. Whereas now that our first year scholars know we're doing that sort of work with them. Yeah, that must open up more opportunities when they get to that scholarship age that, like you said, you can start monitoring maybe some velocity work or using the, the force plates. Like that must open up opportunities that potentially wouldn't be um, as open if you were more, if you're focusing more on taking back a few steps and, and working on that movement quality? Yeah, 100%. And having access to that testing is it's amazing, really. So you, you're getting an objective data to match with your programmes and you're just constantly testing and making sure what we're doing is correct. So, yeah, it's, it's vitally important. And being able to do that 16-15, it's amazing for us. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say so. And then just a final thing on it, Jackie, in terms of like you said about making the tweak to the approach with the repetition. So going from 20 to a 14 to an eight, is there anything, any other tweaks that you've made recently on the program or that you think you're potentially making the future? Um, probably just change a couple of exercises this year. Um, just from what my sort of understanding, my knowledge has learned and, um, reading a lot over the last couple of years and how the co-contractions of the of the muscles and how important that is to running and when we're sprinting and different actions on the pitch. So I'm sure you've all, everyone's seen the foam roller um, bridge that David Gray, um, it's... Cramp City. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but having that sort of co-contraction element to... Our, our program as well and where we're doing the, getting the calf hammy glute working together training the foot as well where we're yeah. having a real focus on how we tr train the foot um, that's definitely imp implemented into my practice 100% and that's probably how we tweaked it a little bit um, and how we progress that through so it might be different variations of it we're not just going straight into that foam roller bridge yeah it's it's regressing it, right? Can you just hold the position and build an all? Um, so probably say how we co-contract our muscles and work in the foot a lot more, trying to understand how the foot pressures uh, implement and, and trying to do that as early as we can. 
Yeah. Brilliant. And then if we just go back to like the early ages in the academy, I wanted to speak about the importance of movement. And we just spoke a little bit before we started recording about the differences in, and it makes me sound really old when I say kids these days, but um, kids that are not spending as much time being outside and playing and probably doing all the things that, that we did. Um, so what, what's your sort of, what's your approach to that and your thoughts behind that? And then how does that manipulate what you do in the program? Yeah. Um, like we said before, it's probably a couple of years, well, a few seasons ago now when we was focusing on the younger age groups. And for me, I didn't want to get them in the gym and right. You've got to do the strict move. You've got to do your squat perfectly. You've got to do your, whatever it was. And I was like, no, it's, it's not about that. It's about them having fun. I want them to enjoy it. And as they're growing, yeah, we'll start getting them in the gym, but we don't want to give them that strict uh, military sort of SNC when they're young. So, like we said, kids don't go out and climb trees or learn to fall over, um, whatever it is in the park, which I'm sure we both done as kids. So, I thought, right, let's just build an assault course and just obviously previous. Previous uh, people I've looked at, uh, Luke Jenkinson and Jeremy Frisch, big influences and in why we're doing this. And some of the benefits you can see from it is, one, they're having fun with um, hidden movements in in the assault course that we're doing. We might do a squat underneath a, a hurdle into a forward roll or into like a Superman dive where they're really working on the jump and power. Um so that's building us all courses and making a fun, different movements. And we've probably gone away a little bit from that, but in, we're still a lot of like animal crawler movements as the early ages core work um, from like nines all the way up to 13, 14. And still with the under 18s now, I still do a lot of crawling and core elements of that because you're getting the movement and you're getting the... Um, mobility within the within the body as well so having fun in the early ages and building it up but keeping that keeping that trend don't just let it stop I think you've got to keep it going all the way through yeah without doubt yeah things like that definitely cross over to the older ages don't they because even when you, when you get to an adult everyone loves going through assault courses or doing different movements don't they rather than just rigid activities and exercises Exactly, it's just a it's just a different stimulus. Like I've done it a couple of times when we were limited the start of this season with um, access to the gym for just because the restrictions in the training ground. So you've got to think uh, think on your toes and right, what can we do? And a tug of war, end up doing a battle rope sort of sort of sort of work, uh, little games out on the pitch. But also with the young ones, what I've what I've noticed trying to not just but from games that we were kids because they might not understand it, but also, right, what's fun for them at the minute? And obviously everyone's on the game consoles, mm. right? Let's think about bringing the games console game into real life. And how can they, how can we do some of them games that they play into there? But it's just got to be creative as you, as you can. Yeah. Uh, for it. And look at, they're having fun, they're moving about and you're getting some hidden sort of strength work in there as well. And how much is that? I know at the at the early ages, like how much would you say it's player led? And by that, I don't mean that they're going in and designing the whole 
whole session, but are you getting them to get creative with certain parts of it? Like, or is that something you're putting out and just letting them go, go wild? Yeah, no, it, it, like, so I'll set up a course or whatever, um, or whatever it was, and then they'll go through it. And sometimes you, you're just watching it and just going, maybe do that. Or like someone's, someone's jumped over that with a single leg and you're just constantly watching them and thinking, right, how can I adapt that the next time? And, yeah, it's play, players will come out. Sometimes you just say, you've got to get across there by whatever means necessary and they'll be creative and give them the opportunity to think and make their own decisions as well. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. And then to take that on a step further, so there's obviously a big focus on movement quality and, and mobility right away through the academy. But just to add on top of that, because that's very much like a, a solid foundation that everyone has to develop, isn't it? To add on top of that, the strength side of things, strength training, can you just talk us through the sort of phases throughout the academy and how your approach to strength development will change throughout those phases? Yeah, definitely. I probably touched on it a little bit so far. So younger age groups, it's all about um, movement and just having them fun. Uh, for me, the rain want to focus on specific strength work it's just right getting the movement hand-eye coordination um all the basic sort of skills then probably when they're coming into that foundation phase right we're starting to introduce them into their movement qualities movement competencies um and starting going through that sort of um process as they're getting up to the the sort of uh pdp sort of area um and 16s 15s we'll start testing them start strength testing them, um, looking at just global strength, CMJ, uh, all the standard tests, um, and then they'll get more individualised, trying to work on the strength, trying to work on the power, speed, um, and it's more individualised as we get older. Um, it's, it's, it's probably just getting more structured as we're going through the age groups as well, if, to make it simple for people to understand. And then how, how would you say, obviously you don't have to go into too much detail if you don't want to, but in terms of periodization through a, a, a normal season when you've got normal access to the gym and all the rest of it, like in terms of periodization for that throughout a season, what sort of, how would that work, especially for the older, the older ages? Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. Typically for me, uh, I would, in the off season, um, target obviously strength, I do a lot of he a lot of um, isometric work, long holds, um, heavy loading if we can, um, and carry that on into the start of the preseason because yeah, we may get fatigued, but not as much as lifting heavy weights because the loads that are going out on the pitch as well. Mm. Um, and I, just areas of time, I look at what they're doing out on the pitch, where where they pushing on the pitch when we're dropping off, and mirroring that with the with the gym work, right? If they're dropping off on the pitch, we can push in the gym and that might be lifting heavy loads, uh, pushing the strength. Um, so as you get into the season, we'll probably maintain push on the speed a little bit. Uh, so lighter, lighter work, pushing on speed. As you come to that Christmas period, typically in academy football, it's a down period for us. So I'll push against strength and test them again, see where they're at, right? Let's go heavy. They've got 
uh, limited time on the pitch, that's pushing the gym. Then as you're coming out, we're maintaining the strength again, pushing. Just It's just fluctuating all the time. It's not a linear sort of progression, right? We're going to go strength, 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 right? We're no own power. I think it's just changing all the time. And it's up to each individual as well. Some individuals are at different times and it's hard when you've got an age group which has got from 16, sometimes 15 up to 18-year-olds. So you've got to you've got to manage each individual in that as well and where they're at and their development. You're still in a development programme um, rather than a performance programme. So sometimes you, you may go into games tired. You may, um, you're not going into every training session fresh. You may have a little bit done, which is part of their development. It's good if they want to be where they want to be. That's a key point, isn't it? To recognise that. And I suppose the other factor with that is you've got players that aren't playing as many minutes. And so that, that programme does have to be so flexible and adaptable, doesn't it? To each and every individual. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, injured lads as well returning and they've got to carry on the rehab sort of programme and making sure that they're not just going right once they're in training, they're stopping that session, they're stopping that gym work, which is important for their injury. Everyone's different. You got like I can I'm sure everyone says you yeah, have got to be very flexible in football, mm-hmm. uh, adaptable to all the different things that are happening. Yeah, definitely. And just finally, Jack, before we go into some quick fire, the only other thing I wanted to ask you, I didn't want to take this up through the whole podcast because we focused on it a lot, but obviously COVID is like this sent this last year yeah. into into meltdown. I was going to ask how you found working with players because obviously I'm guessing you've had to do quite a lot of work on online, like a lot of people have um, had limited access to players actually at the training ground and in the gym. So how's it been for you and how, how have the players sort of been coping with things? Yeah, um, obviously last season, oh, last year when it first happened, everyone went online um, and we carried on. It was towards the end of the season and it was we weren't sure when we were coming back. So we just carried on maintaining um, towards the end of the season, still following the programme. And we did the online sessions. The online sessions obviously were difficult at the start and it was more an engagement, getting the lads together. And to be fair, we had a laugh. It was getting lads to take the first part of the session, uh, whether that's a little circuit, they're taking that before they go into the structured sort of work, which I would lead. And that was always fun and engaging for them. Um, obviously, when we returned, all the measures are in place. It, it was it was a struggle at the start because it was coming for training and go, and they weren't getting the strength working as you would typically want. Mm. However, I feel like this pre-season was probably one of our best pre-seasons physically because we're not in as much and yeah. we're not going through massive loads, which we typically would. And uh, hopefully that's reflecting across football as well in the in the young age groups that uh, we don't need to do double sessions constantly. Yes, we do need to do sometimes because they need that technical uh, wear. But in pre-season, you don't you don't need to smash them constantly. Yeah. We they're coming in fit. It's, there's no one really comes in unfit anymore because the programs, the the quality coaches that and the work they're putting into them programs, they're coming back in a good condition. So we do single sessions and gone. Try to maintain the strength work. That's probably been a big issue 
for us this year in gym access, we haven't we've been very limited to what we can do. But sticking to body weight and for me, like Nordics, eccentric Nordics all the way through, it's it's the go-to exercise. Yeah, it, it's um and then coming back coming through Christmas now, uh normal typical Christmas downtown, the lads are training well, we've got gym access. Uh, we've had to build like our own gym in the indoor astro. It's not perfect. It's not an environment that we want, but we've just got to be lucky that we're training and we've got access to a sort of facility as well. So it's been difficult at times, but I think it could be in a lot worse position than um, some of the other people are. So I think we've got to count ourselves lucky. Yeah, brilliant. Right, Jack, let's tackle these, uh, these quick fires. So I'm going to throw these at you. So the first one being... Um, who were some of the biggest influences on your career so far? Yeah, 100%. Um, John McEwen, who was my first boss who hired me as an intern, he just very, very disciplined in his way of uh, getting across to me. You know when you've done something wrong, but you wouldn't, he wouldn't let you know you've done something wrong. He'll, he'll make a joke out of it, but you know... Oh no, I shouldn't have done that. So just <laughs> learn from that. And he's the way I'm now with my timings and um, session planning and structure of the day and making sure, right, bam, 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 that's my day. I wouldn't have learned that otherwise if it wasn't for John. And he's still still like that now. Um other one other one is obviously I've mentioned we mentioned before is John Noonan. Having three three and a bit seasons working working with him, John was unbelievable. It's gained a a wealth of knowledge um, in the on SNC, which I'm sure people know from listening to him and seeing the work he's doing now. It's unbelievable. So um, stuff that I never learned at university, and when contact all the time, and he keeps just blowing my mind with this, yeah. with the work he's doing. It's, it's he's one of the best coaches. So it's very privileged to work underneath him. And I, apart from that, obviously, I think he influences our your coaches that you work with and also your family as well. Yeah. Do you know what? That's the first time everyone, anyone's mentioned family. And when I first put these questions out, I thought people were going to talk about family a little bit more and some people that had uh, sort of driven them and motivated them. So, no, yeah. I, I, I did. So I did, uh, I probably thought about it, but then family, yeah, I'd say family because they all support you. And then yeah. when you're, when you're, when you're having a bad day or you're unsure about, what you're doing in your career, you speak to your family first. and 100%. You always listen to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. And then the next one, Jack, what, do you, what would you say your biggest strength is as a coach? Um, well, it depends, depends. People may disagree after listening to this, but maybe communication <laughs> skills. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, communication skills, I think, is a big strength of mine. How I get across to players, how I speak to coaches, how I speak to... Uh, fellow SNC coaches, sports scientists. I think I, I, under, I understand the different sort of environments that I'm in and how to persuade uh, myself. Brilliant. And then next one, best bit of CPD you've done recently? Uh, there's been a lot out there recently with the obviously lockdown. I would say like 100% Gary Ward's wake the body up and wake the foot up. Um, Learning about the foot. If you're an SNC coach out there, you need to try and understand the foot. It's the most complex part of the body. Um, 
and just do, I've I think I'm on the fifth time of going through the course and every time you learn something new uh, and I want to understand it a lot better because that's that's the foundation yeah we're all great at understanding what what the muscles do but what does what happens in the foundation um yeah. what happens at the foot and how does that influence what happens up the chain so I'd recommend doing that and hopefully starting the, his bigger course band kind of course as well so that's probably the best one I've done so far yeah if anyone wants to listen to Gary as well I think it's episode 86 I think off the top of my head um Gary went into loads of stuff around the foot um really really valuable information on that um Jack the final one so thinking back about some of the players and coaches that you've worked with what would you say are or is the most important or one of the most important traits that a coach should have? Um, being open-minded. Um, for me, like you gotta, you may believe your, your answer is correct and it's the right way to do. Um, but if you're working in, with a team of staff and coaches, you've got to be open-minded to everyone's decisions and maybe your way is not always the correct way. Um, or you're taking someone else's on board and go, actually, let me try that. And just being open to different ideas because we're not always right. We may get it wrong and other people may have a better idea. We just put ego in your back pocket and just be open-minded for me. That's what I've seen with the best coaches. Yeah, I agree on that. And then also on that, what would you say is the uh, one of the best traits for a player to have? So relating to some of the players that you've worked with, possibly that you've found easiest to work with or been most successful, are there any traits you see amongst those guys? Yeah, um, I'd probably say being professional in everything you're doing on and off the pitch. Um, it's it's great being on the pitch and like they're doing everything uh, to a team, all the drills, all the coaching sessions that they're doing but off the pitch that matters as well just as important on the pitch so in yoga sessions turn up on time um, filling in maybe it's RPE questions wellness questionnaires whatever it is they're doing everything to the best of their ability to give themselves the, the best opportunity they're not cutting corners uh, anywhere so being professional everything they're doing to make sure they're giving themselves maximising the opportunity brilliant Jack, this has been top, mate. Thank you very much for coming on. Just finally, I know you're putting some, well, you are putting some great information out on uh, on social media and mainly Instagram, I think. Um, yeah. So do you just want to give, if anyone has got questions, they want to reach out, they want to go and see some of the work you're putting out, Where where's the best place to do it? Yeah, so um, on Instagram, I've got a page where I'm just starting. I'm just throwing a few, few little bit of content out and it's JD Physical Prep. Um, you'll you'll see me on there as well. Um, but if you just want to drop me an email as well or on LinkedIn, I, I, I use LinkedIn a lot and I get people messaging me all the time. I know what it's like to get blanked from someone on LinkedIn. Or, <laughs> you know, so I make sure I reply to everyone. It might not be straight away, but I will reply. Um, yeah. So if you want to um, connect with me on LinkedIn, ask me a question, that's fine. Brilliant, mate. Well, I'm sure you get some questions uh, sent over and I, I do encourage people to go and check out the work you're putting out as well because you're putting some top stuff out. But Jack, thank you very much for your time, mate. I appreciate you coming on. It's great to uh, to chat with you and I think we've gone through some some top stuff there. So thank you very much. No, th- thank you, Ben. Thanks for having me on. Privilege. And best luck for the rest of the season, mate.
Cheers, mate. Thank you. Thank you to Jack for giving up his time and coming on the podcast. I really appreciate him coming on. I've not spoke to Jack before, but I've seen some of the work that he's been putting out and uh, I wanted to reach out to get him on. And uh, I think he lived up to expectations on this podcast. So some great information regarding uh, movement competency and all the great work that's going on at Everton as well. So in terms of takeaways for me, I think one of the first ones was when I asked about making the most out of an internship and he used phrases like keeping your head down, getting your work done well. It's really optimizing and utilizing the the, um, the situation, the opportunity that you've got with an internship. Don't just sort of let time fly by um, and do the minimum you've got. That's your time to impress. And I think that's what um, Jack was talking about with that. He spoke about language, language being key, which we've spoke about time and time again on the podcast. Really important to get your language right. And depending on who you're speaking to, you need to be able to adapt the way you speak. Um, And Jack spoke about, he spoke about working with the general population, but also how to simplify things, not overly um, go over, overly too technical when describing things. I think that's really important. The importance of movement quality, but not just that. He spoke about earning the right to progress. And that's obviously what the movement matrix is. Like you have to earn the right to move through the levels, but there's also that really important point of the when players are looking around in the gym or the hall or wherever you're working, they're seeing other players progressing through the matrix that inspires them, that makes them want to achieve the next level and work at whatever it is they need to work at to step on through the system. So I think it's a really important and really valuable system that they've got at Everton and I'm sure as many other clubs set up in a similar sort of way. Um, The other thing was utilising times in the season where uh, the pitch loads or the work that the players are doing on the pitch were lower and making the most out of those sort of windows that you get. And that's where periodization has to be really flexible because we don't necessarily know, especially this year, when when that's going to be, but we need to make the most of it when it happens. And then just finally, I know he, he talked about some work um, that David Gray puts out there, um, in, and he spoke about the importance of the foot and how he wants to sort of progress the program forward. So if anyone hasn't gone back to listen to the episode with David, um, that is a really valuable one for any sort of strength, strength and conditioning coaches on his approach. Um, I do see that's there's some really valuable stuff in there and some tweaks that you could potentially make to your programming. So go back and listen to that episode with David Gray. But big thank you to Jack for coming on the podcast. I think there's loads of great information on uh, in this episode, go and check him out. He's on Twitter at Jack Dowling123, and he's also got his Instagram page, which is JD Physical Prep, and he's putting some great information out there on Instagram as well. So go and check him out and reach out with any feedback to Jack, but also to us as well. Um, give us a tag on Instagram, on Twitter. Share with your friends, your family, your colleagues, anyone that you think will benefit from the information in the in the podcast. Um, and please make sure you subscribe uh, to the podcast as well. iTunes, Spotify, also over on the YouTube page. I really do appreciate it. The podcast is growing, um, slowly but surely growing. So I really appreciate anyone um, giving it that extra push for us because that'll make uh, the world a difference in terms of getting, getting guests on 
um, and attracting some of the, the biggest names in the industry. So I really appreciate all your support so far and please continue to push the podcast for us. But yeah, as always, big thank you to Jack and we'll speak to you again next week in episode 122.